This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Moreno, and I've got a lot of problems with you people. This is our weekly excursion into the world of the negative. I've got a lot to get off my chest, although I will tell you, someone that is not going to be on the receiving end of what you're about to hear is Elias. Not only did Elias do a stellar job um, producing a stellar segment with that uh, opening that he did for that Dr. Sky hour the other day, but... Not only are the articles that I'm about to refer to printed, which is nice, not only are they stapled, but they're numbered. I mean, this guy is way too competent to be working on this show. This is this is something. I am blown away. But uh, I hope to blow you away with my commentary about the evils of the people who have fallen on this week's list of... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. I must denounce ESPN. ESPN, I don't know where these guys get off. They used fake names to secure Emmys for college game day stars. In March 2023, Shelly Smith, who worked 26 years as an on-air reporter for ESPN, received a call from Stephanie Drooley, then the network's head of studio and event production. Julie said she wanted to talk about something serious that needed to stay between the two of them. She then told Smith that Smith needed to return two sports Emmys statuettes that she had given she had been given more than a decade earlier. That request was one of many ESPN made of some of its biggest stars last year after the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, the organizations that administers the Emmys and the Oscars, uncovered a scheme that the network used to acquire more than 30 of these coveted statuettes for on-air talent ineligible to receive them. Since at least 2010, ESPN inserted fake names in Emmy entries, then took the awards won by some of those imaginary individuals and had them re-engraved and gave them to on-air personalities. This is crazy. Okay, this is pathological. Did they think no one was going to notice? Well, I guess they were right. Because for a while, no one did notice. This is insane. Shame on ESPN entering awards with fake names and then taking the awards and re-engraving them? Well, come to think of it, is there any way we could do this? All right, from now on, let's try and find some radio awards that we're not eligible for. Enter them with fake names and then get them re-engraved. I think that would be nice. Uh, but until then, ESPN, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Miguel Almaguar, the NBC News reporter who was suspended over the retracted story about an assault on Nancy Pelosi's husband. 
Paul Pelosi that helped spur all these conspiracy theories about the attack. The attack. He's now leaving the network. This is a guy that was a correspondent for NBC's Today Show whose story had claimed that Paul Pelosi was not in danger when San Francisco police arrived at his home in response to a distress call in November of 2022. He announced on Instagram that he's no longer employed by the Peacock Network. So an NBC investigation revealed that Al McGuire relied on sourcing that was unreliable. And, you know, this proved very problematic because... Within almost instantly, you had people, including on some of the stations that I'm on, concocting these crazy Paul Pelosi conspiracy theories. And it all stems from this guy, Miguel Almaguar. And it goes to show you there is a cost to bad reporting. And this guy's a bad reporter. I am not sorry to see him go. I don't like to see anybody lose their job. But Miguel Almaguar, I do denounce you. And let this be a lesson to every other journalist's. Use credible sources. Use credible sources. I must announce the BBC, speaking of sources, the BBC apologized for a Christmas Eve report containing an unverified Hamas claim that Israelis were committing summary executions or executions based on guilt without a fair trial on Palestinian civilians in Gaza. The apology posted on the outlet's um, corrections page said, In overnight output, we ran a story about Hamas accusing the Israeli army of carrying out summary executions in the Gaza Strip. This was a Hamas statement, but although the accusations were attributed and our story contained a response from the Israeli military saying they were unaware of the incident and that Hamas was a terrorist organization that didn't value truth, we had not made sufficient effort to seek corroborating evidence to justify reporting Hamas's claim. We apologize for that mistake. So this is a dual denunciation. One, Look, I'm all for critical reporting of everything Israel's doing, of everything every country is doing. But... You can't simply rebroadcast the things that Hamas says. Hamas is a terrorist organization. I mean, you saw the things they were claiming about the attack on the hospital that turned out not to be true. And it's not to say that the IDF hasn't also said things that aren't true. But you can't just simply rebroadcast without any independent verification the things that Hamas has said. But then their apology was so lame for them to say... Well, you know, we did include a statement from the Israelis that said it wasn't true, but we're we're sorry anyway, I guess. This is the lamest apology, uh, again, for very poor journalism that I've seen in quite some time. BBC, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the protesters in Los Angeles that vandalized and defaced The Los Angeles National Cemetery, where nearly 90,000 veterans who served the country from World War I through Vietnam are buried. And you see this video posted online. I I honestly just find it sickening. Showing a demonstrator spray-painting Free Gaza with an upside-down red triangle on the entrance to the National Cemetery as a protest to shut down a major boulevard outside the U.S. Federal Building. And then you see these demonstrators wearing traditional Palestinian garb, waving Palestinian flags, holding signs accusing President Biden of being an enabler of genocide and of Zionists of being Nazis. Um, But 
to actually go so far as to vandalize a veteran cemetery, I don't care what people are chanting, but to vandalize a veteran cemetery like this, I, I think it's really beneath contempt. It, it's it's horrific, to be honest. I think it's evil, honestly. So for all of the vandals that took part in this vandalism, I do denounce you. I must also denounce two members of the media who were heard cracking jokes over a hot mic on Tuesday about former President Trump being cut down by an assassin's bullet as they waited for him to appear at the federal courthouse in Washington. The unidentified male journalists had their news cameras stationed outside the courthouse when they started to grouse about the difficulties of getting a view of the former president. Quote, You know what the worst part is? Even if he has his window open and he's hanging out of it, he will be on the other side of the street. I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot. Uh, To which the first replied, yeah, if he's driving with the front window open. The conversation then swerved into gallows humor about the former president arriving in an open top car like President Kennedy was riding in Dallas in November of 1963. Yeah, or if it's a convertible. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, like if he just pulls up, like JFK, maybe someone... Just like they told JFK, you know what you should do? You should take a convertible. It's so nice out. And they're yucking it up. I mean, I don't know who should be more insulted. The family members of John F. Kennedy or Donald Trump? Because it's incredibly insulting to both of them to be joking about the assassination of a past president and the possible assassination of a former and potentially future president. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I look. I, I didn't vote for you know President Biden, for instance, or a lot of other different presidents. I would never joke about one of them being assassinated. Never, not in a thousand years. So I, I think it's reprehensible that these people would think this is funny. So to these journalists or anyone else that would joke about assassinating a president, I do denounce you. I must also denounce bottled plastic water bottles. Well, I guess all plastic water bottles are bottled. Researchers from Columbia University and Rutgers University found roughly, are you ready for this, 240,000 detectable plastic fragments in a typical liter of bottled water. You know, we talked earlier in the week about what a good commercial it was for the iPhone that it survived falling out of that airplane. This is the best commercial for tap water that there is because microplastic pieces of plastic, microscopic pieces of plastic are everywhere. And now they've been found in bottled water in concentrations 10 to 100 times more than previously estimated. Now, we don't know what the story is in terms of what consuming all this plastic means. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's not good for you. Not good for you at all. So... Um, I'm going to make an effort to actually try and drink less bottled water. I don't want to be drinking all this plastic. And uh, I, I want to denounce the Old West Long Branch Cemetery, the um, Mount the uh, funeral home 
uh, actually for this that services this cemetery. The Manalapan-based, Manalapan, New Jersey-based Bloomfield Cooper Jewish Chapel, uh, uh, Chapel, because as about sixty of Janet Kay's loved ones gathered at a cemetery in Marlboro for the eighty-two-year-old Lakewood woman's burial, it became apparent that something was terribly wrong. First, there was a prolonged delay. Then the funeral director started asking the 85-year-old widower questions that indicated the body of his late wife had been lost. Then um, it turned out the woman about to be buried in Kay's grave was not Kay, but was wearing Kay's clothing, jewelry, and wedding ring. Can you imagine? You're probably beside yourself with grief Your wife of many decades has died. All your friends and family are around to see her be buried. And you learn not only have they lost her body, but they have put your widow, your wife's clothes and wedding ring on another body, the corpse of a stranger. I don't know about you, but I will not be using... Bloomfield Cooper Jewish Chapels as my funeral home anytime soon. Uh, Bloomfield Cooper, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Daniel John Voltier, a 56-year-old man who has been arrested for stalking the singer Shakira at her Miami Beach home. Detectives met with Shakira's security director who provided them with multiple recordings and several social media posts from this gentleman which showed how he was married and wanted to open a business alongside the singer. And apparently this guy is, look, I mean, he's clearly dealing with some issues related to mental illness, but he's sending packages to her home, which include bottles of wine, chocolates, toys. Come to think of it, maybe I need a stalker. Um, But Shakira told the detective she didn't know this person that was claiming to be married to her. And she expressed concern over how he got a hold of her personal information, her address, the names of her family members. And uh, they found that this gentleman was post saying he was coming to Florida to Shakira's home. Now, that's frightening. Frightening. So I hope this man gets the psychological help that he needs. But until then, Mr. Valtier, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the New York City Museum of Sex. You know, I've, hist- I've had a history with the Museum of Sex. They've done a few things over the years that have ticked me off. This is the latest. They've been forced to apologize to Madonna after falsely claiming she ignored the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. Now, why is Madonna being mentioned in an exhibit on the AIDS crisis to begin with? But they went out of their way to embarrass her. So they have an exhibit on the 1980s music videos. And in that exhibit, the museum wrote that Madonna, along with other mainstream musicians, had failed to openly acknowledge the devastation of the moment. Now, the problem with that is completely untrue. Fans and AIDS activists, they leapt to Madonna's defense. They shared newspaper clippings, interviews that she did at the time, album art that showed her early campaigning. 
and the museum was forced to apologize. The AIDS Memorial Twitter account called on the museum to get your facts right. What value does this museum have if they can't even accurately depict history? Beats me. All right. Uh, and finally, I want to denounce the gunman who broke into this television station in Ecuador. This is a frightening thing, and Ecuador looks to be a total mess. You have the military at war with a bunch of criminal gangs. Then you have a bunch of vigilante gangs that are acting as the good guys. The president is cheering them on. It's crazy over there. It's, it's abs- You're going to hear a lot about Ecuador all of next week and p- potentially in the foreseeable future because it's nuts. It, as uh, Bob would say, Ecuador is sick and getting sicker. But you have these masked gunmen break into this public television channel during a live studio broadcast, forcing the staff to the floor. Police made 13 arrests following the attack, which injured two employees. At least 10 people have been killed since a 60-day state of emergency began in Ecuador on Monday. The emergency was declared after a notorious gangster vanished from his prison cell. It's unclear whether the incident at the TV studio was related to the disappearance or if it was something else. So if you're going to break into a TV studio during a live broadcast with and hurt people and carry guns, I do denounce you. I mean, the only thing worse than that if someone were to do it at a radio station. All right. uh, That is this week's denunciations. If you have comments on anyone that I have denounced, you're welcome to give me a call. 800-848-9222. Coming up, we may take your calls or we may go live to the Middle East or we may have a special surprise guest live in studio. I'm not sure which of those three things is going to happen, but take your chances. I mean, odds are pretty good. One out of three. Better than you have at the craps table. If you want to call in, you have a good chance of getting hurt. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
27 minutes after the hour. This is not only a, uh, a terrific song, uh, but the person singing it, uh, Buster Poindexter, better, better known, well, as he's better known, also known as David Johansson. It was his birthday this week, and I had it on my list of songs to play earlier in the week, but specifically requested by my cousin Liz on behalf of her mother, my Aunt Camille, who is celebrating her birthday today. So happy birthday, Aunt Camille. Happy birthday to my, uh, you know, to Buster Poindexter, who I've never met. I'm a big fan of Buster Poindexter or David Johansson, not just as a, a singer, but a great actor. He's in, uh, he's the ghost of Christmas past in Scrooge. Phenomenal in that role. And there's a, a film that a lot of people don't know about uh, that my Uncle Carmine actually turned me on to called Let It Ride. I think this is one of the great gambling movies of all time. And again, I wouldn't know where to tell you how to get it now because Netflix has stopped the DVD shipping. This was one of many titles that was available on Netflix through the DVDs, but it's not available on streaming, at least not for free. But it's a great little picture. It's from the 80s. You got Richard Dreyfuss, David Johansson, uh, and Terry Garr. Wonderful cast. You know, it's kind of a silly plot, but it's fun. And it's a film that every gambler can relate to. So if you have, if you've been a gambler, whether you like poker, whether you like casinos, whether you like uh, the horses, especially, that's a great film to check out. Let it ride. And my uncle Carmine was a big uh, horse player back in the day. All right, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Robert in Manhattan, what's on your mind? Good morning, Frank. Now, because you, because you're an avid trekkie. It's, there's always been a question in my mind. If Frank Morano were lucky enough to attain entrance into Starfleet Academy, what would be three courses that you would like to take? I'll tell you my three favorite, and then I'd like to hear some of yours, what you might. The first one I would want to take is temporal mechanics. I find that absolutely fascinating, as Catherine Janeway once said about temporal mechanics, because I believe that was a course that she took. Oh, by the way, you know, we were talking about uh, Saturday morning shows, and I forgot one of the people who was in um, Gargoyles was Kate Mulgrew. Oh, I didn't realize that. Titani of the Fairy Queen. What a Mm. marvelous role. Okay, so Temporal Mechanics would be my first. Because of my interest in history, I would want to take interstellar diplomacy, and because of my professionalism as a folklorist, at an accredited folklorist with a Ph.D. degree, I would want to take intergalactic mythology. What would be your favorite course? Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, and I hadn't thought about it. I, I kind of just like Star Trek as a television show. But I, I would, um, you know, I had diplomacy on my list, too. I think maybe um, something in anthropology, because I think uh, when you're dealing with a Ooh, lot of alien yes. civilizations, anthropology wow, could yes. be... A pretty interesting um, course. And then, um, you know, look, I think maybe uh, something that could be very relatable to folks in the 21st century, as well as the 23rd or the 24th, maybe something like, um, you know, like counseling, which I think there's no shortage of need for both in um, the the 24th century and this one. So I guess those are my three. Although, look, I think history is always something that's been of interest to me, so I would have no issue taking a history course as well. Uh, If you want to follow us on Facebook, please be so good as to do so. Go to facebook.com slash moranofan, facebook.com slash moranofan. But if you want to participate in a dialogue about what we're covering on the show, join our Facebook group. 
Just search um, Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook, M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters. Post whatever you want, even if it's critical, about the show. About the show. It's not meant to be a general news discussion group. It's meant to be a discussion group about the show. So that's what we would like. All right. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Suffolk. What's on your mind, Robert? Hey, Frank. Um, Well, comment and then question. Sure. All right. That's despicable what the FBI did to that kid, knowing that he has a mental disease or defect. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I would agree with you, Robert. Yeah, it's illegal. Now, uh, the question that I had, can Congress issue a writ of mandamus, which is a mandate ordering that that, Merrick Garland arrest Hunter Biden for contempt of Congress and have him jailed? Well... You know, it's a good question because c- Congress can issue a writ of uh, mandamus that compels government officials uh, to act. In 1962, Congress gave all federal district courts the power to issue writs as well. Um, but I think I don't know what would then happen if uh, Merrick Garland didn't act on that. I mean, we've seen that before in American history. You go back to uh, Andrew Jackson when the Supreme Court came up with uh, an order that he didn't agree with. Um, You know, basically, uh, Andrew Jackson said, the Chief Justice has come up with his order, now let him enforce it. You don't even have to go back to the 19th century. If you look at, during the Obama administration, Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress, and the Justice Department certainly did not handle that the same way that they're handling Peter Navarro being held in contempt of Congress. So I'm not sure logistically and on a practical level what would happen if uh, they simply, if, um, you know, Merrick Garland chose to ignore the writ. It's a great question, uh, but it's one that I don't have an answer for, honestly, Robert. Well, maybe then Garland himself if he refuses to uphold and enforce the law like he's supposed to, be arrested for contempt of court and jail. Well, uh, right, contempt of, of Congress, right. Well, yeah, again, though, but you saw the contempt of Congress um, situation with Eric Holder, and nothing happened to him, right? So, by the way, uh, speaking of Peter Navarro, I think he's actually going to be sentenced on Friday, I believe. It's coming up. If it's not Friday, I think it's one another day uh, next week. So we'll uh, we'll make sure to bring that to you. Hey, um, one of the things that I do is we have this email list. So if you ever email me, I'll add you to my email list. Uh, 800-848-9... Uh, excuse me. Frank.Morano at um, RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. That's Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. But the way that I get those emails out, I pay a lot of money to a service to get those emails out called Constant Contact. And I got a message from Constant Contact just yesterday saying that Google and Yahoo are implementing new guidelines for bulk email senders as of February 1st to protect against spam and improve deliverability. So those these changes are going to affect anybody like me who's sending bulk or marketing emails. So if the best thing that you can do is add me to your approved sender list if you still want to make sure to get those emails. And if you find one of my old emails, mark specifically as not spam because uh, that's the best way to make sure that you will 
you know, continue to get those emails. I'm going to work with our email service provider to see what can be done to make sure I bypass that. But if you have Gmail or Yahoo, they're trying to make it more difficult for my emails to reach you. So do make sure that you uh, do whatever you can to, you know, get those, uh, mark me as not spam. Unless you do think I'm spam, in which case, then by all means, do your thing. All right, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment, 800-848-9222. Oh, uh, there was an interesting story about um, Ryan Graves. You remember Ryan Graves? He was one of these UFO whistleblowers who um, testified before Congress. This man was a pretty experienced naval pilot, and... Basically, Graves says dozens of pilots have witnessed UAPs and there's really not a safe space to retort. So now there was this new bipartisan bill in Congress that was introduced yesterday that looks to encourage commercial pilots to report sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs, or unidentified flying objects to the United States government. So this is an effort that's being led by uh, Democrat Robert Garcia of California uh, and Republican Glenn Grothman of Wisconsin, and it aims to promote safe airspace for Americans by encouraging pilots to report any potential sightings to the government. It would also require the FAA to relay all reports to the Department of Defense All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, ARO. The bill will also set up legal safeguards for all pilots who make these reports to the federal government. Ryan Graves was on News Nation talking about this. Right now, uh, military witnesses to UAP have limited options for reporting UAP. The military and Department of Defense has stated that UAP represent uh, a critical aviation safety risk. Uh, we have not seen that, that, same, um, that same language being used in the commercial markets. They are not acknowledging this risk. You know, that's actually not from uh, News Nation. That's from his testimony before Congress last summer. But the point is still the same. There's this whole organization that uh, Ryan Graves was a co-founder of. It's called Americans for Safe Aerospace. I'm going to reach out to Ryan Graves, see if he wants to come on this show. And basically, um, he has said that right now, pilots are trained observers of our skies. But he has heard from dozens of frustrated pilots from major airlines who have witnessed UAP, yet had no confidential way to report them to the government. So if passed, this bill is going to enable civilian air crew, the FAA, air traffic controllers, flight attendants, maintenance workers, anybody that has anything to do with airplanes, basically, to report UAP encounters. So these reports will allow the FAA and the Department of Defense to investigate potential threats to the nation's airspace. Look, whatever you think these things are, I think this is uh, certainly a positive, right? This is exactly what we want. We want people coming forward and we want people describing what they're seeing, not pretending it didn't happen or feeling like they can't, you know, come forward with this kind of a thing. All right. 800-848-9222. We're going to get to your calls in a moment. Uh, Lastly, on the UFO front or the UAP front or the ET front, whatever. 
there's an article, there's several articles actually, describing this these 10-foot-tall strange beings being seen as traversing Bra- a Brazilian island as rumors are swirling about aliens. There's this new video, and I'm going to link to it right now on my uh, on my Facebook page if you want to check it out, uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. It does look interesting, uh, and you could check it out and judge for yourself, though, where you have these... These new, this new video of these two giant human-like creatures strolling along the foothills of this small Brazilian island in what some people believe is nothing short of proof that there might be something already here, right? And if you look at the video, and again, check it out and judge for yourself, these two beings stand confidently on top of the hill, which locals say is very difficult to reach, but with the shrubbery barely reaching their knees. The pair could be seen swinging their arms in an early human-like manner, but not enough to convince some eyewitnesses that they weren't watching uh, watching aliens. One person, through a translation, says it's too big to be a person. Um, look at the way he moves. It's really weird. Look at the size of those pasts. It's very fast. Now, again, I want to be clear. I have no idea what this is at all. Absolutely none. But it does look like something. The video generated even more traction once it made its way onto social media, which had blown up just days after Floridians claimed that uh, 10-foot-tall aliens had been strolling through a Miami mall. So some folks are wondering, are these the same types of entities that were seen in Florida? I have no idea. Uh, Other more skeptical users threw in their two cents, claiming the creepy video was likely just a result of forced perspective. Even the Brazilian government, though, joined in on the fun, though they notably did not confirm whether the giants were tourists from another country or another planet. The state government of Piranha in Brazil wrote on Twitter, Sure, what happened on Ila Domi? Uh, And even strange beings. Great summer at Piranha is another story, and even strange beings came to check it out. So everybody's having some fun with it, but honestly, we have no idea what it is. All right. 800-848-9222. Alan is in Beantown, B-Town, Boston. What's going on, Alan? Hi. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Well, I am uh, I'm great. Thank you for asking. Well, that's, uh, that's uh, very good. Uh, uh, before uh, I get to the uh, topic at hand, I was uh, not completely surprised, but a little surprised uh, to uh, hear you uh, mention that uh, you've never uh, visited us. Uh, you've never visited us up here in Boston, is that correct? I've never been to Boston. That is true. Okay. Well, we we do have a uh, we do have a casino. It's called Encore. 
very close to the airport, and uh, I would uh, love to uh, send you an email uh, maybe this weekend, and uh, if uh, you wanted to come up, uh, um, you know, possibly uh, Encore, and uh, I assume uh, you've uh, heard of Fenway Park and uh, where the uh, uh, baseball team that resides here plays. Once or Uh, twice, yeah, once or twice. Well, I mean, if I could twist your arm. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the topic at hand, uh, I uh, did have the pleasure of meeting the uh, lead singer of the New York Dolls, uh, uh, Buster Poindexter, David Johansson, uh, back in uh, 1982, I believe. Uh, there was a uh, legendary uh, radio uh, program director named Sonny Joe White uh, who uh, programmed a uh, very uh, popular FM station up here in Boston that uh, is still on the air today. And uh, uh, Sonny Joe brought uh, uh, David in for a uh, AIDS benefit at uh, a large dance hall. And uh, Buster closed the event. And uh, I happened to uh, have been able to uh, be in the uh, circle of people uh, after he finished. And uh, he was, uh, I spoke to him very briefly, but uh, he was a uh, very, very uh, humble and uh, uh, open and uh, a nice gentleman and a great performer. Well, I am not at all surprised to hear that, Alan. I hope I do make it up to Boston one of these days. In fact, my wife and I, she's been to Boston, and uh, we were just watching this movie the other day, The Holdovers, and there's uh, a portion of the movie that takes place in Boston, and I was just mentioning to her again how I've never been, and uh, especially with my fondness for the TV show Cheers, I would definitely love to go. So maybe I'll see you up there, Alan. Thanks. I hope you do. 800-848-9222 if you want to be heard. Ron is in Michigan. Hey, Ron. Good morning, Frank. Frank, you're not going to drink from plastic bottles anymore. That's a good idea, but almost all your water in your house comes through plastic piping. If you got Hinkley Schmidt delivered water, it comes in a big plastic bottle. It's like almost impossible to get away from the poison plastic. So, uh, I don't know, just find a nutritious value to it and... Uh, drink up. That's all I can tell you. So I'm done no matter what. Whether I switch to tap water or I stick with the plastic bottles, I'm just done. We are all done, Frank. Not just you. All of us. Well, that's quite disconcerting, I must say. Thank you. Thank you. All right. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. And uh, don't look now, but the United States is getting involved in yet another war. I'll give you the latest on that. This is The Other Side of Midnight. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. I 
The Rolling Stones can't get no satisfaction. Well, if I used double negatives in a sentence, I wouldn't expect any. That's for sure. Uh, Playing this because uh, the Rolling Stones are one of the three favorite rock bands, along with the Beatles and Led Zeppelin, of uh, Howard Stern. Today is Howard Stern's birthday, and today is also Rush Limbaugh's birthday. You know, I've become a greater believer in astrology. I I used to really kind of just completely dismiss it. But my brother-in-law, Josh, who's an astrologer, has uh, led me to think that maybe there's something to this. And I am perpetually impressed and amazed that people who have the same birthday become known for the same things. And they have similar characteristics. And I can't think it's an accident that two of the greatest radio talk show hosts of all time, honestly, I think probably the two greatest, Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh, both have their birthday today. And I know those two guys weren't friends. I don't think they ever met. They, I don't think where they were necessarily fond of one another. But they, I was a fan of both. And their ability to paint pictures with words and understand radio as an entertainment medium, not as a political medium, but as an entertainment medium, and as really what it is, which is theater of the mind, is, I think, unparalleled. And uh, I always pay tribute to both of them on their birthday, which is today. All right. Um, In what I think is sadder news... We're seeing U.S. and allies, mostly the U.K., strike the Houthis in Yemen, expanding the war's battleground. I had hoped to uh, chat with Colonel uh, Daniel Davis, uh, but uh, b- b- right before the show, he he canceled. He wasn't able to stay up at this hour. Hopefully, we'll chat with him next week and uh, also some of our other uh, favorite military analysts as well. I'm hoping to get a hold of Colonel Douglas McGregor and uh, some other folks, but... The American-led strikes in Yemen uh, have come in response to Houthi attacks against commercial shipping in the Red Sea, raising fears of a deeper regional conflict. Now, do you remember for about a week when we weren't involved in any major wars, after the uh, Biden administration pulled out of Afghanistan, there was a very, very short period in which we were not involved in any wars, and that was... Very short-lived because beginning in February of 2022, we became incredibly involved in this war in Ukraine, which is basically a proxy war between the United States and NATO and Russia. We're funding them. We're aiding them. We're giving them uh, really everything except troops on the ground including weapons, and I have chronicled all the reasons that I think that is bad news. Oh, by the way, uh, do you see the news yesterday with respect to Ukraine? There's a billion dollars that we have sent to Ukraine, which we can't account for. A billion dollars. Oops. What could go wrong? Sending it to one of the most corrupt governments in the world, which Ukraine and the Zelensky government absolutely is. What could go wrong? Billion dollars that no one can account for. I will guarantee you that this has been pilfered. And what they're saying, what this new Pentagon report is saying, and now it's not cash, all of it. A lot of it is weapons, uh, but some of it is cash. But you got cash, shoulder-fired missiles, kamikaze drones, night vision devices, and the totally unaccounted for. What the Pentagon says, it, it has been poorly tracked. 
Officials warned that the high rate of missing weapons and technology had raised concerns that the weapons could have been stolen or smuggled. What could go wrong? The report, which stops short of saying that any weapons have been misused, comes at a time when an increasing number of lawmakers in Congress are skeptical about sending more military aid to Ukraine. Gee, I wonder why. So anyway, we're very, very involved in waging the war in Ukraine, which is not working out well for anyone. It's not working out well for the Ukrainians, not working out well for the Russians, uh, except it's not working out well for the United States, certainly not the U.S. taxpayer. Working out very well for the arms manufacturers that have uh, been making all sorts of money and have seen their stock price skyrocket over the course of the last two years. So we're involved in that. Since October 7th, with this Israel-Hamas war, we're very involved in that. We're basically paying for the totality of this Israel-Hamas war. The $12 billion that the United States taxpayer sends to Israel is apparently enough. We had to send them all sorts, not enough rather, we sent them all sorts of other emergency aid and weapons, not approved by Congress, by the way. Biden just did this on his own, constitution, constitution, and we had hoped... And the Biden administration had been telling us that hopefully this would not expand. Well, clearly it has expanded. Now you have, I think, something like 50,000 homes, it may be more, in northern Israel of people that have been evacuated because this war has now expanded to Lebanon. Now, Lebanon, while they don't come anywhere near the might of the Israeli military, which is one of the most advanced in the world, Lebanon is not like Gaza and Hamas. You know, most of the rockets that come from Gaza are essentially homemade. They don't have targeting devices, and they're they're very lame. They're homemade rockets. If they ever end up hitting a building or a person, it's essentially dumb luck on the part of the person who has fired that rocket, if it, if it gets through. Lebanon, very different. They have hundreds of thousands of rockets with, with, with targeting software, which is one of the reasons these people that are living in northern Israel have had to evacuate. So... This war has expanded in Iraq, which is telling us we don't want you here, United States. We don't want you here after you have uh, presided over the drone attack of the the leader of an Iranian-backed militia group. We don't want you here, and yet we're still there. So we're fighting in Iraq. We're fighting in Ukraine. We're facilitating fighting between the Israel and Gaza and now Israel and Lebanon And you have Iran very much involved here and every aspect of this. And now here comes Yemen. What could go wrong? How about everything? Do you remember a time when, you know, it seems like all these wars start and everybody just claps. They cheer like hyenas. Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Ukraine, you name it. And then eventually everybody realizes this was a mistake. And they say, oh, oh, we're not going to do that again. No more military adventurism. And then we just go down this route again and again. And here we are now with Yemen. Um, So the coalition of the willing that is now doing these strikes in Yemen, in the Houthi-controlled areas, no congressional approval here either, but constitution, constitution. So you have people from 
Australia helping. Shout out to my brother, Dr. Nicholas Morano, who is uh, listening to us in Australia. Bahrain, Canada, and the Netherlands. There you have that. Uh, President Biden always loves to make it sound like he's leading some grand international coalition. Uh, you know, do you really think the Netherlands played much of a role operationally in this attack? I, I suspect not. So anyway, uh, Western officials are saying that the target set that was chosen was towards the higher end. A substantive set of strikes designed to degrade capability and try and restore deterrence. That's what the U.S. is saying, and that's what the U.K. are saying. And they're on a heightened posture and expect the Houthis to increase attacks and attempts to seize trips, uh, ships. So according to the absurd and nonsensical deterrence theory, you can launch a barrage of airstrikes on a foreign country that has not attacked you in the name of restoring deterrence, even as you simultaneously say you expect the attacks you're supposedly deterring to actually increase. So what are we deterring? So when you hear these American officials, these UK officials, these military officials using the term deterrence, I mean, it's meaningless. Deterrence has become the word literally, which has lost all coherent meaning. So any claims that the Israel-Gaza war would not draw the United States into a wider regional war in the Middle East have officially been proven false as of yesterday. So instead of using its incredible leverage with both Israel and the Palestinians, because we're funding both, to curtail this Gaza war after three months of incredible destruction, the U.S. has instead opted to expand this war onto another front. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is some classic U.S. foreign policy for you. That's the world we're living in. All right, until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.